0: i'm doing well randy how are you
1: excellent thank you you are looking very dapper there
0: well thank you very much it's uh first of all it's it's you know amazing to be in a suit again uh number one it's suit. Great wait, wait, be-
1: wait 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 what, what's a suit
0: <laughs> it's a it's a relic of the past isn't it
1: <laughs> yeah um, exactly
0: but it's uh it's also nice to be in an office today i'm here in atlanta um, at the Publicis Sapient uh, offices right outside of downtown, and um, you know, uh, uh, I've been visiting our offices around the world, and we'll be uh, doing so pretty heavily this summer. Awesome, that's great. We'll uh, we'll, we'll
1: talk about that. Big uh, big travel for sure coming up. So anyway, yeah. uh, welcome everybody. This is episode number 80 of uh, Tech Sales Insights. I'm excited to have Arthur Phillip who's the chief growth officer of Publicis Sapient. And um, uh, we're also sponsored by Gong. So I'm gonna make sure I do my Gong plug. They are the revenue intelligence sponsor of Sales Community and a great great sponsor, great company. Uh, A lot of our uh, advisory board members are customers. Uh, Gong unlocks the reality to help people and companies reach their full potential The patented Gong Revenue Intelligence Platform empowers customer-facing teams to take advantage of their most valuable assets, customer interactions, which the Gong platform automatically captures and analyzes. Gong then delivers insights at scale, empowering revenue and go-to-market teams to determine the best actions for winning outcomes. Uh, Thousands of uh, companies are customers, including Paychex, LinkedIn, Slack, uh, Zillow. uh, So they all trust Gong. Uh, They're a private company headquartered in uh, San Francisco Bay Area. And by chance, I was introduced uh, by Carl Eschenbach, who's longtime VMware executive, now uh, Sequoia, who's, uh, who's on the board. So uh, anyway, without further ado, uh, or on to Arthur here. So we have our title today is uh, Who Dares Wins? So definitely excited to talk about that. Uh, as always, we're also brought to you by uh, Sales Community. So we've got a uh, special going on for a year membership. Uh, Tucker, maybe you can post it. It's salescommunity.com slash June free, I believe. Uh, And also thanks for Tucker's help behind the scenes. And uh, Arthur, I think we're we're trying to figure out, I think we met 10 years ago uh, when we were both at HP And uh, you were running the consulting business, which I don't wanna say was an oxymoron, but kind of HPE (laughs) and uh, consulting business at the time for our group. uh, Certainly had some cultural challenges to say the least, but uh, you certainly did a great job persevering and uh, considered a great go-to-market executive leader, worked at some fantastic companies, HCL, Microsoft, HPE, Oracle, Unisys, IBM, and uh, probably some others. But certainly uh, you know how to handle big teams and do things well at scale. And uh, most importantly, you're a great, great husband and a great father. So uh, oh, why you, don't man. we uh, hear from you and uh, maybe tell us a little bit about your professional background?
0: Well, thank you, Randy. I, first of all, I'm very flattered uh, by the background and uh, by the introduction. And um, yeah, it was about 10, 12 years ago we, we met and worked together at uh, HP. It's, uh, uh, it's been a long decade since. Uh, but, you know, first of all, thank you to you, uh, to Tucker, as you said, behind the scenes, the sales community, uh, to our sponsor Gong today. Uh, sounds like a fantastic company. Uh, I am thrilled to be here. And um, you know, just a little bit uh, of context uh, around those companies. Um, I was born in Philadelphia, um, you know for those american football fans no offense uh, for when philadelphia beat the new england patriots in a recent super bowl
1: i i, I was there in minneapolis i was, I was actually happy right because we've had so many and then people You've have had so many. so much to all the philly fans so i'm like all right you can have one
0: there there you go i was there as well it was a, a trip of a lifetime and um i i hope we're back you know but uh, <laughs> you know so uh, born in philly i have lived all over the world um you know one thing. During my youth, my childhood, I spent about a third of my childhood in Poland and primarily in Poland, but also in Russia and uh, many of the Eastern European uh, countries that were part of the uh, Russian, you know, uh, ecosystem. And this was back in the 80s when it was the uh, Cold War, kind of the height of the Cold War. And I say that <clears throat> now knowing that, you know, we're kind of back in a Cold War in many ways. Um, and the reason I bring that up is it had a pretty profound experience, um, in my development and my thinking, even today, professionally, Um, I would, I would go from, you know, Western civilization, capitalism, uh, you know, the mighty eighties when everybody was uh, uh, pretty pumped up and there was a lot of great spirit, you know, Uh, amazing to see Top Gun come back, right. Top Gun came back, Mm -hmm. came out eighties. And I think it unified and rallied people in the United States but I would go to, uh, you know, Poland or, you know, Warsaw to Moscow, and I would have a food card. And I would, you know, all my food for the week, my provisions, toilet wow. paper, toothpaste, it was all, you know, on a government, um, you know, ration system. And that kind of showed you a different side of life. I mean, I take things for granted. Um, went to school in Boston, tremendous city. Um you know, went to Boston University, down the road from your university. Right. Um, after that, lived in London, uh, working for digital equipment. Uh, I've lived all over the world and uh, now reside ma- mostly in Orlando, Florida. Um, and, you know, airports uh, in many different locations. But I've, ha- I've had a great privilege over 30 years. Um, started out with digital equipment, which then became part of Compaq and HP. Um I was in a great management training program there. Um, I would say my executive MBA was at IBM, uh, really learned the classic old school art of selling and serving clients. Yeah. Um, you know, how to, <laughs> you certainly learn how to dress. Uh, my closet to this day still has lots of blue suits. The only difference between the suits is, you know, probably am I five pounds up or five pounds down. All right. Um, and, uh, but really cut my teeth there and had a chance to run some businesses and some services practices. Um, you know, the last uh, roughly 15, 18 years, I've led pretty large units at uh, Microsoft, at HP, at Oracle, most recently at HCL, and and now at Publicis as the chief growth officer. But um, I, w- I would summarize my career in two ways. Um, you know, first of all, always serving clients. And then with the units I've served, uh, it's about elevating people and either transforming or radically growing those businesses. Uh, there's always been a need for that kind of skill in the marketplace that, that really builds off of a sales career uh, that understands clients and has an outside-in view of, of how businesses work. Um, and so, you know, pretty exciting times. Um, joined Publicis Sapient uh, last August after uh you know my tenure at hcl and while i was at hcl we i was responsible for the growth there ran sales and marketing uh global sales officer as well as the chief marketing officer and uh we grew the company in my five years there five and a half years from uh, about 5.8 billion to ten and a half billion so very proud of that growth uh you know, strong company. It was great experience to work for a company not headquartered in the U S um, you know, to be an officer in an Indian headquartered uh, yeah. Asia company was very cool. And um, but I'm having the time of my life. Uh, I've joined a real cool, vibrant, forward thinking, uh, tremendous culture, uh, you know, I would say bleeding edge digital organization Uh, that's 2 billion roughly in size, uh, 20,000 plus growing every single day. And we're part of a broader group. So there's publicist sapient, but we're part of the um, uh, overall publicist company, which is a, 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 you know, big $13 billion advertising media communications firm.
1: Oh, so far. So fantastic background. Now let's get into some more as you're going there with uh, Publisys right. Sapient. Um, so it's kind of the digital technology platform. So kind of w- w- what do you sell and kind of who do you sell it to?
0: Well, we we have uh, some real tremendous visionaries. Um, Publisys Sapient was formed 30 years ago, uh, truly a digital native company. It was formed at the outset of the internet. Um, at the very beginning, it was a did a lot of websites and a lot of you know uh, e-commerce type of work for clients and it really grew into a full scale end-to-end professional services consulting firm that is centered today around digital business transformation and there are a lot of companies in the marketplace doing you know digital transformation we added the business to it because our belief is uh, you can't just re-architect or transform the technology component. Uh, You've really got to work with clients to re-engineer and rethink their business uh, to prepare themselves for the next few decades to come. And so we have a combination of consulting, engineering, experience, uh, data and artificial intelligence, uh, product-oriented people uh, that really come together, uh, you know, in a but I would say a cross capability type of fashion to work to transform clients. And we have a tremendous roster across, you know, across the globe, top 10 industries. Um, You know, we've worked with pretty much all of the major clients, uh, companies in those industries, uh, helping them rethink and reposition themselves for a digital age.
1: Wow. So I would imagine from a sales cycle perspective, it's kind of very much kind of, you know, boardroom or, or even CEO, because these are, you know, b- big, big uh, decisions.
0: Yeah, it's um, so it's interesting. Um, you know, I would say uh, a majority of our business originates at the C-suite level. Uh, you know, everything, of course, classic CIO, but the CMO, chief sales officer, lines of business, uh, CFO, CEO, uh, board members um, you know innovation and digital officers and we absolutely uh, will work with clients on a full-scale end-to-end uh, type of transformation but there are also things we do from a point solution perspective um, you know when you think about uh, you know e-commerce when you think about customer data platforms when you think about a lot of the tools and technology and business process that allows clients to understand their own customer ecosystem better. Uh, That's where we focus. And so uh, a good, healthy business there as well.
1: That's great. Well, we have a comment from Michael Madden, who, if I remember right, uh, is uh, ex-army, retired army, and sounds like he probably spent some time, a long time ago, over in Russia Arthur, so great to hear your story. My first time Russia was 88. I uh, went to Moscow State in the mid-90s. Wow. wow. Uh, wow. Amazing. And he uh, further says, I, I, I share your perspective. And uh, he's at a, a cool uh, kind of earlier stage company called, uh, called Preda, which people will be hear- hearing uh, more about. Uh, so uh, also for people uh, watching, we can um, see what you post. Uh, you can either hear us or see us. We can't see you. So I definitely encourage you to uh, ask any questions or comments. So Michael's leading here by charge and uh, uh, certainly excited to have uh, Arthur here on. So uh, Michael asks, uh, how do you help your customers think about the build versus buy when advising them on uh, setting them up for the future?
0: So First of all, that's a great question. And I will tell you one that we debate every day in turn, even as a leadership team. Uh, it's really a combination of both. And... The way we approach it is every client's situation is fairly bespoke. Uh, they certainly think so. And they'll look at the competition, they'll look at other industries and say, look, we're, we're unique from everybody else. And so we respect that. At the same time, there are situations where, and, and we build a lot of custom oriented solutions for clients, scales. Uh, but there are times that it just makes. To go with proven that is accepted, that can be tailored appropriately for particular use. And I look at our major business partners, Microsoft, do a lot of. message that my stream was down
1: yeah you're kind of coming in and out um let's see here it it happens Uh, let's see can you try talking all
0: right can you can you hear me
1: yep there you go so um i don't i don't think we heard you're saying something about google
0: yeah, so you know, we work with with all three of the major cloud providers, for example, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, and they have a number of solutions, you know, that will work with, tools, um, will work on top of their client, and Adobe is a very great technology for connecting our clients.
1: Yeah, still kind of coming in and out.
0: Coming in and out. Okay.
1: Okay. Here you go. Okay, you're back.
0: All right. Good. Good. Hopefully, hopefully the connection will stay. I think the office is probably going through a shock. You know, it's got people. Um, yeah. I can certainly hear them, but we have a lot of people in the office today, and it's probably you know the Wi-Fi system's a little dusty.
1: Yeah. <laughs> There you go. So, all right, so you're uh I think mentioning something about the partnerships with uh Google, Amazon, and Microsoft, um, how they uh let leverage you guys, I assume, in some joint go-to-market.
0: Correct, correct. They're they're um, uh very substantial partners of ours. We generate a lot of revenue for them, uh, and they generate a lot of revenue for us. Um in each case, we're in their top um, you know, if you in the case of Microsoft, they have over a million partners. Uh, we're in their top, you know, uh, 10, 12 partners around the world. Uh, the same wow. with uh, the other companies I mentioned.
1: Uh, that's great. And I uh, also saw you've got uh, a big initiative about doubling the workforce.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, right now, I'll tell you, and it's an amazing time with, with the economic environment. I, I almost yeah. worry that Um, you know, the financial media is talking everybody into a a sense of panic. Um, a lot of indicators are mixed, but many companies are, look at, look at Salesforce last night with their earnings announcement. Yeah. Um, you know, but our demand is very strong. We have a very robust pipeline and, um, you know, to, to meet the needs of our clients and to deliver the work, uh, that we do all around the world, we are doubling our force. Uh, So we expect to be, you know, uh, double the size of our 20,000 plus population uh, in the next year, year and a half. Um, We're doing a lot in India and we're also doing a lot in North America and across the rest of the globe. So uh, from universities to experienced hires, the welcome mat is out Uh, and quite frankly, to not just from a delivery perspective, to be selfish, I'm looking for great client partners, business developers, partner sales executives. Uh, We have phenomenal roles and career paths for our overall growth force organization.
1: And if people are interested, do they just go to your website or any uh, suggestions?
0: Website, um, certainly LinkedIn, uh, there are different links for our recruiters, Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, we're on any given week where uh, we have a pretty high intake of, uh, uh, you know, we go through a, a rigorous process, of course, um, and we have great talent around the world. But we're, like I said, the welcome mat is out uh, and the demand is high and strong.
1: Oh, that, That's great. You also have a cool initiative called uh, Bridge to Next. Uh, tell us more yeah. about that.
0: So that was announced today, actually. Um, Thank you for pointing that out. Um, It was, uh, uh, it's just uh, been released in a press release by our chairman and by our sapient CEO, Nigel Vaz, a tremendous leader. And and I'm really actually proud of this. Um, It is a full soup to nuts program uh, for people in Ukraine or any of the neighboring countries, That have been displaced or their lives have been altered by the current war taking place. So, everything from uh, nutrition, health, counseling, family services, all the way through to employment for people that um, (coughs) have disciplines in everything from strategy uh, and consulting to uh, product experience to engineering uh, to overall engineer uh, experience, uh, consulting and design uh to data and artificial intelligence and um you know we're looking to uh really i think kill a few birds with one stone but first and foremost help people at a time of need um not just with employment but also with their families and with their personal situations it's a very cool program
1: no that's that's great and certainly speaks a lot to the uh incredible culture there so you're talking about uh kind of talking about recruiting before so if you had um Kind of 30 seconds or so with a recruit, uh, what would be your uh, pitch?
0: Well, there are, you know, there are many ways. First of all, I always encourage anybody to, to join the digital uh, industry as a whole, right? This is the most, to me, noble profession um, over the next 20, 30, 40 years that will have a tremendous impact in society. And Publisa Sapien is truly a place where you can grow and discover yourself and determine not only what's next for you in your career but do it while making an impact with tremendous clients across very cool industries yeah. in all kinds of locations around the world that's awesome really really cool
1: so now our um t- title topic is who dares Win- who dares wins yeah uh, tell us more about that
0: yeah you know it's interesting i, I was thinking about our conversation and, you know, there, there are a lot of things we could talk about uh, across the entire selling profession. Um, th- there's no shortage of topics. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about this. Um, to me, the particular day and age we're in and this next decade is really critical. And, and who dares wins? I'll, I'll just step back for a second. It's the slogan of the uh, British special air services so it's kind of the equivalent of like the in america the uh, seal team right and who dares wins it's something i keep on my phone uh it's something i remind myself it's a mentality and i think it's important in this day and age right we have a lot of different environmental factors that are riding against everyone we're coming out of a pandemic that but we're still in it Uh, travels not back to normal office life is hybrid um you know, inflation, economy, uh, political turbulence, societal turbulence, uh, you know, depending on where you live, gun violence, things of that nature. Yeah. This is an important time to to kind of rethink your own career path. And I urge everybody to not go back to just checking the boxes and doing the same. There, there are always going to be sales fundamentals, for example, that you've got to take care of. But now's not the time to just make your revenue goal and just eke out a living. Now's the time to really stand back and say, what did I learn over this past couple of years? What am I going to do differently? And that's why I came upon this theme of who dares wins. I, I think this is a time for people to go beyond the motions and to really break out of the mold, break out of, you know, kind of the rut and the basic mechanics and start to think about the strategy and the long game of what you're here for. Uh, If we do this right, and no matter what part of the industry you're in, whether you sell a technology product, a professional service, something that's consumption-oriented, you know, or a SaaS model, or if you're in the professional services arena, the bottom line is you have a chance to drive impact through your clients, uh, not just sell them something. And one of the ways I like to think about it is within our own company, and our own growth force, we can change the world by helping our clients change the world. We make them stronger. We make them more competitive. We help put a moat around their business uh, so that they can stand up across many industries: financial services, healthcare, insurance, government services, retail, you know, and on and on. Manufacturing, we can make them strong so that they can be strong pillars of society in an era where. Country by country, uh, governments, you know, are going through different fluctuations of their own as well as economies. And I think this is a unique period of time. Um, The reason I say that we're all in the most noble industry is uh, there isn't an area or facet of the world that is not touched by technology today. Um, It's funny. Our collective industry is about a six and a half trillion dollar ecosystem out of a global $94 trillion base. But of that 94 trillion in global commerce, we touch 99.9% of it, which means our impact is even bigger than our revenue intake. And so by doing the right things for clients, we can all individually, no matter, you know, early career, senior career, or mid-career, we can all have significant impact and drive that every day. And I encourage everybody to think about that. And, and what it takes is, you know, the ability every day to get out of bed and just you know do it one percent better than you did it yesterday, right? Go one extra step. You know, it's kind of like your uh, your Fitbit. You know, go one extra step than you did yesterday, and it's a better day. And um, there's a saying I always like to think of, and it's um, cherish the moment and choose greatness. And I think that's important, right? I remind myself of that probably five of the seven days of the week. I think about that. Um, you know, I spent a lot of my career early with so much ambition and, and um, always thinking about the next step and the next sale and making quota and making target, uh, you know, leading teams and, and capturing the hill that I went to sleep a lot of nights with unnecessary anxiety. And I think if we all step back and put this in a broader context, if we cherish that moment that we're in right now and realize we are where our feet are planted and that we are choosing to be great, that nothing can stop us or get in the way. And and so I just urge that mindset, right? For everybody's peace of mind and longevity. Take that yep. strategic outside in view. Totally.
1: There's an element, uh, I think, in Who Dares Wins of uh, kind of risk-taking as well, right?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, none of us want to get to that, that point in our lives when we're sitting back with great-grandchildren and you know drinking lemonade on the porch and have regrets about what we could have done or should have done. Uh, it's better to get it all out now. And I guess 30 years in my career, I start to see it a little more crisply right now. And if I could go back and kind of coach my younger self, uh, it would be take even more risks, but also relax about it. You know, if if in your heart you know you're doing the right thing for your client, for your team, for your people, for your company, for your family, then why not do it? Why not be bold?
1: Got it, great, uh, great points. And uh, Tucker, we had a question from Jesse. So I know you're with your sales model, you don't typically have the junior reps and kind of SDRs, BDRs. So this is kind of more of a, probably philosophically what you think as opposed to your team specifically, because uh, it's a much you know higher and high touch cell. But uh, Jesse asks, uh, Arthur, what are your thoughts on direct dials uh, to mobile phone numbers? Do you think SDRs are set up for success by uh, dialing salespeople direct? Or do you think it's a bad idea to put your new junior rep in front of qualified executives?
0: This is a tough one. It's a tough one, right? Um, I think that um, watching my son who uh, spent a few months in the early days of the pandemic in a, a smaller size software company in that type of role and seeing the type of, uh, Rejection that he faced, and I think that a lot of our uh, new hires from university experience. I wonder if we're setting them up for failure or turning them off to the greater benefits and rewards of our industry. And times have changed. I think uh, you know when we know (laughs) there was a certain expectation thirty years ago. Uh, You know, you cut your teeth and you did something and you sucked it up for two or five years and, uh, you know, you did it because that was the tradition. Um, There are different options for people coming out of school, you know, people that are younger in their career. And by putting them in these positions where they're going to face this kind of rejection, uh, unfortunately, the way it works today, I think elsewhere in their industries or careers and I think in the long run, that's our loss. Uh, all of us, yep. all of us, anybody who's been in the end years has a responsibility to also replenish the ranks and recruit people to do what we do. Um, you know, from Silicon Valley to Boston to London, Shanghai, uh, we are a class of warriors that sell technology at the end of the day practices and SaaS models and products, uh, we've all experienced one heck of a life from this. And I think we have to give back by bringing, um, setting the career start.
1: Yep, absolutely. Well, 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 uh, well said for sure. So I know you're passionate about a, a lot of things, uh, one of which is uh, mentoring, speaking of which, uh, mentoring and recruiting young professionals to choose yeah. a digital career path. Uh, can you tell us more about that
0: yeah you know it's um, like I said I it it really is to me an honor and a responsibility I I believe very strongly in our industry Um, you know I I can think back to many different legends and you and I worked with and for many of the legends in the industry if there was a hall of fame there's there's you know, we each would have our list of, of people that we saw throughout our careers. And um, part of continuing that cycle is to bring new people into it and uh, and also to help people grow in their careers. And what I will say is in the engineering and delivery ranks, if you think about it, our industry is 99% technologists, engineers, computer scientists, hmm. People that are in the sales and marketing side of our industry, uh, it's a much smaller population. And the what I would say is the career tracks and the mentoring is not as robust as if you were an engineer or computer scientist. And that's the same if you were at Dell or Accenture or a startup in Silicon Valley. Uh, the industry always leans towards the engineering culture and mindset. But for us in particular, the people who make the business happen, I think it is our responsibility to mentor as many people as we can, share our stories, help them avoid the pitfalls that we've all faced, right? The wrong decision, the wrong presentation to a client, the wrong preparation, whatever it might be. Uh, I think that's something that's an awesome responsibility we have.
1: Yeah, actually, I actually, I talked to uh, somebody that just graduated college this, uh, this morning, asking about sales careers and you know what, what's the difference between a you know, big company, small company, and I don't know what you think, but I said uh, you know my my feedback is it kind of doesn't matter. Just go pick something and try it. You know, with with, with our generation out of college, and you, know, you had to stay somewhere five years if you moved and something's wrong with you. You know, th- this day and age, they can you know take a different job every year and it's it, it it's no big deal, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, you know, think about it. Um, the The environment has changed quite a bit um, and, and companies come and go even faster than they did before. Uh, it, many of the labels you and I have represented, um, you know, whether uh, too small to survive or merger and acquisition, uh, right. the brands change over time. Yep. But it's interesting, yep. a lot of the people in the network stay the same, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, You know, a lot, a lot of times, you know, people get, to think, a false sense of security because it's the, uh, you know, in the days when people had business cards, it was a business card. They would get them in the door. But as they change companies, especially go to smaller companies, you realize, OK, you know, what are your relationships to people? You know, know you like you, trust you. And, you know, a lot of times it's more you as, a, as opposed to the company. You know, in the old days, it used to be more of the company.
0: Absolutely. And I'll tell you, Randy, and, and you know, um, I admire what you've done with the sales community. Right. You've you've brought together uh, a cross section of people uh, really across multiple decades um, and formed the sales community so that people could be in touch, uh, learn from each other. And I think that's um, that's a heck of a give back, you know. Thanks.
1: Great. Appreciate it. Um, what about speaking of this with uh, younger talent, any uh, diversity best practices that you have?
0: Yeah, it's first very important. Um, you know, the and I <laughs> what I will tell you is my, my view. Also, I've always been I think our industry has always strived to do better. And it's funny because the overall technology industry is actually one of the worst industries when you look at. Pound for pound percentages, right? And that's race, religion, gender, everything. Um, Which is ironic because if you look at our industry, we need people that are the most creative, innovative, different angle thinkers than just the mainstream. And uh, so our industry actually pines for diversity. Uh, Every company has struggled with it. I think there's often been a perception that things are too engineering oriented and and only open to engineers, Um, you know, but you look at different crafts like selling or experience in design or other components of innovation or product development, it doesn't need engineering. It needs, you know, human interpretation. Um, At Publicis Sapient, overall, we're close to 40%. Um, on my team today, we're about 60% in terms of a diverse mix. Um, and I will tell you that I track on a weekly basis all of our open requisitions for client partners, for business developers, for partner sales executives around the world. Um, and we have a very, you know, it's, it's a pretty hard policy. I, I want to see a diverse slate, at least at the outset, right? And, and let's let... Um, You know, merit flow through the top, but make sure we don't have any biases, um, which are hard for everybody. I think, you know, I remember at Microsoft, uh, Satya introduced a training called um, unconscious bias. And everybody in the company took this training. And it really uh, what it showed was no matter who you were and how open and how, you know, how much of an open thought person you are your background uh, things that you've seen and heard are going to unconsciously impact your lens of the world. Um, And it's hard to shed, but everybody, the more astute and aware you can be uh, the better off you're going to be. And look in our business at the end of the day, our product is our people. Uh, It doesn't come off a manufacturing line. It contains no chips, it's hearts and minds and souls and creativity. Uh, and so the best thing we can do is have a very diverse, uh, worldly, highly experienced, uh, different sets of points of view that help us uh, in our solution making yep. for our clients. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, so I assume in your kind of sales cycle, kind of the uh, concept of value selling is uh, mm-hmm. kind of critical, right?
0: Huge, huge. Yeah. Um, you know, especially when you're dealing with senior executives, um, you know, we we don't really deal in rate cards or price per pound or, um, you know, those kinds of issues. We try to focus on uh, the value that is unlocked or that is derived in the marketplace for our clients and work out a financial arrangement that meets, you know, obviously we've got to cover our bills and, uh, and we have pretty large scale projects, but we also you know, like to think of risk reward scenarios. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Um, one that's real exciting, I'm hoping that we can learn and replicate the model. Um, uh, our financial services team is teaming up with Siam Commercial Bank uh, in uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, Southeast Asia, it's one of the biggest consumer banks in that part of the world. They came to us and and they said, "Look, a lot of the Gen Z younger generation doesn't necessarily want to open a bank account with with an old institution that their parents and grandparents bank with. They they like you know the equivalent of a Venmo application. They like digital banking. They do things on their phone. We formed a third party company with them, rather than them paying us fee. We formed a mutual third party." That they own 51%, we own 49%. And it's gonna have everything from financial services to Uber like services to, wow. uh, you know, all kind. so food, uh, good delivery, goods delivery, um, transportate, personal transportation, all kinds of services off this platform. And uh, ultimately, part of our payback is to take the company public, um, you know, and recoup uh, some. Hopefully, some very large fees yeah. uh, through that offering.
1: Oh, that's great. Is that uh is that Dave Donovan's group, financial services group?
0: Yeah, Dave, Dave is uh, Dave's a great guy, and and obviously he's an alumna uh, alumnus of Boston College. So you, you guys were probably in school not too far apart. Uh, Dave runs uh, financial services in North America, and uh, uh, we have a couple of great leaders in in our international group, uh, Dave Murphy and uh, a gentleman named Sudi that runs our international team. And, uh, but everybody, the way we work, we all work together. We spend a lot of time as a leadership team. We're looking at that business model. We're saying, how do we replicate that in Europe? How do we replicate that in North America? It's a very cool construct different than here's the bill and, and here's our fees.
1: Wow. That's great. What about, uh, examples of any sales leaders that you respect and why?
0: Wow. So, you know, there, there are, there are several companies. I'll start there. Um, you know, our traditional competitors range from McKinsey and Deloitte and Bain and BCG uh, to IBM, all the way through to uh, you know, Accenture, and and you can look at even the outsourcing players um, that originate in India. So we run a, a wide spectrum of competitive offerings uh, and services against, uh, against that market set. Each one of them has formidable, uh, you know, leadership and thought process and maturity. Um, you know, there, there are several. Um, I always think of like, some of the, the gods of the, the industry, you know. There was a gentleman named Jack Wilkerson. I'm here in Atlanta. And uh, he's, um, last I know, he's uh, long retired and, and enjoying that lemonade on the porch. But uh, he was one of the first big influences to me uh, back at IBM. And uh, really, you know, there's an art and science to selling. He taught me the art of selling. Uh, and and strategic thinking and big deal thinking uh, and how to really build relationships with clients. Um, You know, you look at guys like um, uh, Dave Donatelli, you know, former HP and a number of different executives. I mean, he knew how to build products and sell them in our industry like nobody's business. Um, You know, yourself, you've always been a great inspiration and you know, just a, one, of my, one of my big memories of you. I'll just share this with the, with the audience here. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I remember, well, it, it, it's probably not going to be the, the funny story that you anticipate, but I remember something you taught me. And uh, just by your doing, right, you were you always the most well-prepared person coming into a QBR. You know, we'd have these big business reviews with Mark Hurd and with the HP leadership team. And everybody would come in and, and have their turn at the uh, at the witness stand, <laughs> yeah. right? And this is you know twelve years ago. Not everything was, especially at HP, you know, which had a printing division. There was there was no shame in carrying a stack of papers. Well, you would yeah. come in with with binders under each arm, and I I never saw preparation like this. You had notes on every client, every every rep, every deal going on in the pipeline. No matter what stage, you had it organized by stage. I was I was so impressed. I, I remember sitting in my chair squirming thinking, my gosh, I'm not this prepared. And it, it was a great lesson, right? Um, you know, uh, failure to prepare is preparing to fail, right? So I always admired that about you in terms of uh, uh, your sales leadership.
1: Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, rest in peace, Mark Hurd. Yeah. um i mean he's you know a lot of people said he was tough i always found him fair and yeah you, know, you had to know your stuff and then you, you'd see people get skewered who you know, were trying to fake an answer you know you don't know just hey i don't know i'll you know i'll, I'll uh you know, get back to you but i obviously needed to know a, a fair amount and uh he definitely you know from a leadership perspective uh upped uh up, up my game uh i, I saw uh, bill mcdermott on um uh, fox today kind of talking about their business and the numbers and everything else and kind of reminded me a lot of uh of mark and i, and I know they're close but uh anyway uh moving on here great great stories and th- thanks for the compliment uh, it, uh speaking of how we th- how we've seen things change kind of the, uh, importance and value of, uh, sales ops and rev ops, you know, that, that's changed a lot, right?
0: There's no doubt. Um, what I can say is this, is that there's a, I think a lot of people who are not in our profession, uh, will look at the word sales at first glance and think of, you know, the, whether it's the commercials we all grew up with or, or different, um, you know, stereotypes of what selling is like. And, you know, I I often tell, I might be wrong in my own perception of this, but I I tell young uh, professionals that this is majority of what we do is science, not art. Uh, The art part does come in relationships and in relationship management, but the science of selling is critical. And, um, you know, there was a great sales leader named Kevin Turner at Microsoft that, Mm -hmm one of the most complex businesses in the world. And, and uh, I think through sheer will and through teaching uh, convinced me that um, the science of selling is critical. So having uh, the right tools, the right data, uh, the right understanding of the algorithms of how, you know, how pipeline is built and how pipeline, you know, week over week, day over day, hour over hour converts to, you know, it moves down the sales stages and ultimately converts to backlog and revenue. Uh, how critical that science is even today, right? Predictability, um, you know, from a senior leadership standpoint, is probably the, the, one of the things that you need the most uh, to run an operation. And the more a selling organization and, and all the way down to the rep uh, or executive level can have science and predictability right, the more successful everybody's going to be. Absolutely. It's
1: a, a great segue. Our uh, sponsor going, I, I just saw this as uh, goodbye opinions. Uh, hello, reality uh, you go. <laughs> around the, the, the same vein in terms of uh, kind of visibility and knowing, knowing what's happening. Um, so uh, I don't, I don't know if we have enough time for you to share all your travel, but um, a lot of times I'll say, you know, how are you handling business travel? So maybe if you want to share a snippet of, uh, your uh, impress, impressive or crazy uh, upcoming schedule here?
0: Yeah, it's um, so I'm in Atlanta today. Uh, the next few months will be uh, pretty hectic, kind of getting back uh, on the road on a more consistent basis. Uh, you know, stateside, a, a number of different cities to hit. Um, uh, we have a lot of presence in Boston, in New York, in California, here in Atlanta, Miami, uh, the DC area, Chicago. Uh, London, Paris, uh, I'll be in Asia, uh, including, uh, India and Australia, uh, all in the next uh, month and a half or so. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I think we all went into the pandemic probably tired. You know, I've always flown, I've flown a million miles a year for the last 30 years, uh, which is extensive. Um, by the time we got to the pandemic, I think everybody needed a break, you know, from being in airports and the congestion and and everything. So it's, it's kind of discovering a new routine. Uh, People aren't wearing masks. Uh, It still feels a little weird, you know, especially when you have a lot of people getting on a flight uh, last week uh, in Philadelphia and just hundreds of people around me. And, and that moment I felt like, wow, that's, I don't know, you know, uh, now, I'll also say this. I, uh, Despite all my inoculations and my double boosters and everything else, I did have COVID on the road. And I t- highly don't recommend that to anybody. This is uh, yeah. over a m- month and a half ago. So I was actually uh, at a meeting, uh, tested positive, got sick and then was uh, in a hotel room for seven days. And that's not fun when you're not well. And you're in a hotel room with no support. Um, but I have a great team and, and, and family. Everybody sent the packages in and the medicine and everything else. But that's something we all have to be aware of now, right? You, you could get stuck overseas. You could get stuck yep. in a city, uh, you know, and require assistance. Yeah.
1: We're, uh, wife and I going to Rome next, next week and we're talking about the same thing and yeah, you, you just got to go and uh, move on with life and certainly Mm -hmm. your, your schedule is crazy. Where did you, um, where did you get stuck with COVID?
0: So believe it or not, Boston, I got lucky. So of of all the places. So, you know, um, I have been to a lot of third and fourth world places that I've not been as fortunate, um, but it's, it's not a bad place to get stuck. Um, at the same time, you know, when you have a high fever and you're not well, that's not a, you don't realize it then. Yeah. So. yeah. Wow.
1: Crazy. Um, all right. Well, time flies when you're having fun. Uh, so we are at the end. So I just want to thank Gong for being the Revenue Intelligence sponsor of Sales Community. Uh, as always brought to you by Sales Community. If you want to free your membership, we have salescommunity.com slash free uh also i forgot to mention my book i did cha- change rooms last minute for something on on the house but uh tucker maybe you could throw up the uh was it salescommunitycom book link uh and uh so arthur arthur phillip chief growth officer publicist sapin you've been fantastic safe travels uh next week uh, we're gonna have nick oberhuber uh who's a great executive at fortanix His topic is going to be building an early stage startup. And because we're flying Tuesday night to Rome, we're not doing it on Wednesday. We're going to be doing it on Tuesday instead next week. So, uh, all right, everybody, thanks. Uh, Tucker gets this uh, shared across all the different platforms. So certainly feel free to uh, pass along lots of great uh, nuggets in here. So thanks so much, as always, Arthur, and appreciate your friendship.
0: Randy, great honor. Have a great trip to Rome. And I really do value our relationship and and friendship over many years. Be well.